everyone, welcome to this episode of the Separation is in the Preparation podcast. Today, I'm really happy to be joined by Chris Galane. Chris, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? How you doing? Solid, man. Super, super excited to have you on. Um, so to start, could we get you to introduce yourself a little to the listener and uh, talk a little bit about uh, what you do? Yeah, uh, my name is Chris. I'm a photographer and videographer, and I'm based in, uh, in Brooklyn, New York. Awesome, man. And was there a certain moment when you realized like, look, yo, this is this is like what I want to do as as a job? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like shifted over like over time. You know, initially I wanted to be a writer um, and specifically do like food writing. So I wanted to, you know, work for like Bon Appetit or uh, a magazine of some sort like that. Um, and then and so that's like what I studied at school, at college and you know, after, after a couple of years, I was like, you know what, writing is just, is not for me. Like mm-hmm. I was just, I wasn't in, I wasn't really into the, um, you know, into the business of it, of like working in a newspaper and the, I didn't really like the culture of it. Um, but I ended up taking like a, I ended up taking a documentary class my junior year. And, you know, I just like fell in love with it. I was like, oh no, this is fire. Like I could really, like I could really do something like like this, and I love the storytelling aspect of it. It had like the journalistic elements that I had already enjoyed, um, but just in a totally different, like a totally different medium. Um, and so I was just, just like, I went full force into like photo and video, and just like completely abandoned writing. <laughs> wow, um, and like that process of being in something, whether it's a program. at a a university a job and then realizing like like kind of like you did like I thought I liked this but actually like here's something else that um I like more and like really see myself being passionate about for like long term can you talk a little bit about was there any sort of trepidation as you kind of got rid of the writing aspect that you've invested two years of your time school-wise and then as you kind of made the jump or was it kind of just seamless transition because it felt right I mean there definitely, there definitely was like a little bit of, of hesitation, but I was just like, there's, there's no point in like dwelling on that, you know? Um, and I'll actually like rewind a little bit because like, you know, I didn't really grow up like taking photos or anything like that. Like I was super into writing, but I got my first, I got my first camera in 2015. Well, like the first camera that like I got like for myself. Right. Um, and I was actually, I was going to, uh, to Sasquatch Music Festival. Okay. And I had an extra ticket and I traded a ticket with a, uh, with one of my homies for a camera. Um, and so like, that was my first camera and it was just like, what a trade. Yeah. It was like a super trash, like digital point and shoot. Um, but you know, I took that, like took that with me to the festival, like took a bunch of photos and I was like, Oh, this is like, this is a lot of fun. Um, and then just like kept going, like kept going from there. But um and that was also like around the same time of like you know realizing that like the the culture of writing in newspapers like wasn't for me um so you know I think having like having that kind of like my own camera with that too even though it was like you know a total piece of junk (laughs) yeah um it definitely like helped of of just being like you know regardless I'm just going to shoot on my own time um and like take whatever photos I can I was like you know, I'd be out at parties, like taking photos of just like the homies or whatever. Um, and, you know, um, after like I had taken a couple, 
like since I was already in a journalism program, like there was some like documentary or like video photo type classes. For sure. So I just started taking all of those um, and like really focusing all my time in those. And I like, you know, killed it in all of them. Like I did so well in all of those. And then all my writing classes, I did terribly. In LA. <laughs> <laughs> it became an easy choice I bet at that point yeah yeah um and you know so around like end of junior year I'm looking for like summer internships and things like that and I was applying to a bunch of magazines and then I was like you know what like let me see if I can get like a like a video in an internship um and ended up getting one with like a really small boutique production company um and that's kind of like you know, that was a moment where I was like, oh no, this is like a, this is like a, a real thing for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, had that internship for a summer and that was my first like summer in New York um, in 2016. And, you know, even in that, even in that short time, like, you know, we ended up having a job with like the New York times and, and like things like that, shooting like little 30 second uh, like video spots. Um, and when I went back to school, I had a class and, you know, we were reading an article and I was like scrolling through it. And then at the, like the, I scrolled back to the top because I was like, something looked really familiar. And sure enough, there was like a video banner that was the video that I had shot or like- Oh, no way. <laughs> like that summer. No, yeah, it was That's nuts. awesome. So, yeah. So it was just like, you know, it was little things like that of just like seeing kind of like my work go, you know, not un, like not unnoticed or unpraised, but like seeing it kind of like get into like a, a bigger scale. Um, and that was like, you know, that was super attractive. I was like, oh no, like I could be part of something and you'll have no idea it's me, but like you, but like you still see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think like that early, especially when you're starting out at anything, right? Like a little early, like gratification or a little early success, like kind of like you experienced yeah. or just, or just finding like the right fit early on. Um, and it's, it makes such a big deal. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, and I don't even, I don't even feel like I found it. I definitely found it early, but like in comparison to, you know, a lot of friends that like went to school for film and things like that, like it's a totally, it's a totally different, like different ball game. Like my, my college program did not have like the same, uh, you know, level or like interest in doing strictly video and documentary and photography as like some, some of the other programs that are like dedicated to that. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, we can teach you kind of the basics and then like everything after that is like pretty much self-taught. Like you just learn from experience and just making, making mistakes and, you know, working with what you can, like what you can get your hands on. Yeah. So I wonder, like you mentioned, like you didn't really start taking pictures until you got kind of that digital point and shoot. And that was, you'd already started college at that point, but yeah. looking back, I'm sure, or maybe or maybe it's not true, but are there any sort of pictures or films or like even like artists who's now you look back at and be like, hmm, these guys work were kind of influencing me, whether it's sort of consciously or subconsciously? Um, you know, I can't really, I can't think of like any names offhand, but like I remember, you know, like in high school, I went to a lot of concerts. And so I'd always see like the concert photos and things like mm. that um in like music magazines you know like the fader and things like that and I was like yo like these concert photos are sick like festivals were super huge at the time so I was like I would love to go to like festivals and like shoot all the artists like that sounds so sick um so that was like definitely you know that was definitely a big influence of me 
because it was just like being able to capture that energy uh like in a single like still frame it's like it mm -hmm. was i wasn't even watching a video it was just like one photo and you knew that like that show was probably nuts um and you know that was really i think that was really appealing to me yeah so one thing that i'm curious about is like working sort of in the freelance capacity that you're in so how do you sort of what's your process for either finding gigs or creating projects that you think might be appealing for somebody to uh to pick up yeah i mean it's it's definitely a struggle like mm -hmm. it's it's a lot of word of mouth um and there's a lot of like it's a lot of word of mouth and a lot of trust involved you know it's not like you can send out your resume and stuff like that but you know people want to trust that you can get the job done on the first try and so a lot of that is like going through you know a client like a client's going through their list of connections being like asking their friends like do you know anybody that can do x and they're like you know yeah i know some like i know i know this person like he can do it um and you know so it's just that kind of like web of connections of like trying to you know meet people work with them like kind of build that trust and that uh and that relationship and just have that kind of like guide your guide your web <laughs> you know um at least you know that's kind of how how it's been been mainly for me it's like i have uh, a couple of friends that I've like worked with in the past. And those are like consistently the people that I always hear from, like, you know, in terms of getting jobs. Yeah, no, I think like, it's so interesting, right. The, how, how, how big a part sort of relationships play. And yeah. is it, I wonder is like, is it, can it be frustrating at times when like the opportunity is built on like a relationship, which is certainly in part built on like your ability as a photographer or videographer, but also like there's the social aspect that is almost sort yeah. of separate than like your actual skills, which is what you're trying, which is what you're going to provide to, to a client. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's, there's like so many times, like it's, it's hard to like not to be frustrated by it, but you know, I'll be scrolling through Instagram and like see, like see photos and I'm like, yo, this is not that good. But like, you just, you just know people. Yeah, you know, um, and I'm not like a huge social butterfly. Like I'm, you know, pretty contained. So it's like it's it's a little bit tougher for me um, to like really have to break that mold for myself and like go out and talk to people. And especially now with like the pandemic, like you know, even just like going out to bars that you knew had like every like where just everyone creative in Brooklyn was gonna be at and you could just like go talk to someone and strike up a conversation and like that could lead to a job, like you never know. Um, like that's that's pretty much gone now. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like doubly difficult trying to like find ways, you know, um, like just having to kind of like rely on the internet and being like commenting on Instagram and Twitter being like, yo, this is a fire photo. Or like, you know, if you're trying to shoot clothes, like love this brand, like, would love to shoot something for you guys or something like that um you know there's like there's all sorts of ways but it's just it's just like trying to navigate uh like those circles and you know kind of like finesse your way through it to, to yeah. be a part of it and as you're kind of navigating like that sort of social networking process um you mentioned like music and concerts as being something that you have just enjoyed looking at the photos and then also taking them yourself. Are there certain like types of gigs or whatever that you're actively looking for? Or is it more just like, look, I want to get my name out there. 
if I can find it, something that seems like a good fit, I'm going to take it. Um, you know, I think for, for me right now, it's more of the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much like, I'll, I'll take what I can get at the point, at, like at the moment. And, you know, once I kind of have those connections, like, you know, the dream is to be able to say no, <laughs> Yeah. you know, like that's the, that's the goal is to be like, no, I don't want to do this. Like mm. I'm good off that. Um, but yeah, right now it's just like kind of, it's, it's, it's all just like starting those connections. And like, once you kind of like start them, you like work with them like once or twice. And, you know, you say, you say, yo, this is, this is great. I enjoy what we do. Um, I'd love to keep going. Or it's like, you know, like, I appreciate the opportunity. I don't think this is for me. Uh, I wish you the best of luck pretty much. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a combination of both for sure. So like, what's your process once, like, once you get on a job, do you feel like do you ever, does it ever feel sort of challenging in the sense that you have like a creative idea or creative identity and the client has certainly an idea for what they want? How do you kind of yeah. mold both your style and your sort of creative process with ultimately like what the client wants? Yeah. I mean, that's a super good question. That's like, <laughs> you know, that's the, that's, that's the, the age of like yeah. conundrum. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I think part of it is, you know, the clients that reach out to me see something in my style already that they like. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, you know, that's like the hardest part. Like, I'm not going to try to convince someone that my style is for them because, you know, they don't like it. They don't like it. That's fine. Mm. Um, like, I'm not going to hold that against you for not liking, <laughs> not liking my work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's that, that collaborative element is, is, is tough because, you know, and in my circle, it's like, you know, clients never know what they want, but they always know what they don't want. And so it's like, you know, it's a guessing game. You have to like read minds and be like, I think this is what you want. And, you know, like my roommate, uh, he's also a photographer and he just had a client that, um, you know, had, had a direction. They're like, yo, we love your style. Uh, we want you to do a shoot, uh, like for this product and like, and, um, and just like do it, you know, super casual, like very kind of like boots on the ground. Um, and he was like, all right, I got you. And like took the, took all the photos and like literally matched exactly what they wanted to a T and they, and they like got back to him and they were like, this is like, this isn't what we want. And it's like, wait, what, (laughs) you know, like this was, this is exactly what you said. Like, you know, how, what do you mean? Like, this isn't what you want. Like, how is this doesn't add up? Um, so, you know, it's like, it's that guessing game, trying to figure out what your client says they want versus what they actually want. And, you know, kind of trying to like think two steps ahead uh, to deliver the, the best product that you can. Yeah. And I imagine too, there's like a level of sort of patience and flexibility that you have to have, right? That you could potentially yeah. put in a bunch of work and work really hard to craft what they said they want. And then- by the time you're done, like, like I'm like, you just mentioned, they've been like, well, actually we, we prefer something else. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, that's definitely like one of the most frustrating parts. And, you know, you have to set up kind of protections for yourself. Um, and that's like a, a big part of it, big part of freelance work in general too, is because, you know, at, at any point you could work with someone for, for months on end. And then, you know, 
the next the the next job that you think you have with them they're like hey we think we want to go in a different direction and you just kind of have to like eat that <laughs> like like you know if their mind is totally made up like you can you know talk with them try to work something out maybe there's something uh you know that just hasn't been said in past in past jobs and uh you know you just have to be very like cordial and you know like you said flexible um but you know nothing is nothing is permanent <laughs> yeah do you think that like people sort of changing what they want kind of on their whim from a client perspective do you think that's built sort of partly on the idea that most people don't understand like that it's not just like take what the client says and then take pictures that there's a whole other the process is so much more involved than that i mean i think that's i think it's part of it i think it depends on the client um you know if you're working with like an agency that you know they the people that work there have probably done some freelance work or worked with enough freelancers and the freelancers that they work with are probably pretty experienced as well where they're like no we're gonna have a contract this is how many changes you get like you know everything the whole um like production agreement is like very clear cut and it's mm-hmm. all signed so at that point like if you change your mind too bad <laughs> like it's you know, in writing you can't it's in writing like if you're going to change that it's going to cost you or you know we just don't do it um but i think for a lot of like for a lot of like smaller companies like i hear that a lot with like weddings and things like that um you know where there's just like there's there's so much like unknown they're like well you, it's the camera like how hard can it be like you just press a button and you know there's the old the old adage of, of like you're not paying me for you know for the hour that i spent here you're paying for the ten thousand hours that i've spent practicing and honing my craft so i can do this in an hour mm. like you know so it's like it's a lot more work that that really goes that goes into it that you don't see in the hour or two hours or a day that you spend uh, with the artists that you're working with. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of touched on that earlier, like so much of your experience has been kind of learn on the fly and learn from your mistakes. Uh, yeah. so I wonder like when you're working up to a gig, like how much time are you spending preparing? Like whether it's checking out the venue, researching what the client wants, and then how much time are you spending after in terms of like curating, um, the art that you produce? Uh, it definitely depends. You know, there's, I have like some friends that I work with, like my homie Dre, uh, he's a rapper. And like, I know like when I'm with him, both of us are super experimental and we can just like come up with something on the fly. Mm. You know, it's very, it's very low stakes. We just want to see what happens. Um, and so whether that's like, you know, me shooting a new film stock or like going to a location and being like, well, there's no light here. Like, fuck it. Like, let's just go somewhere else. Um, you know, there's definitely that kind of relationship. Um, and then there's, you know, there's others where it's like, all right, you know, I have to take a week and a half to, to prep for this. Like, I got to make sure I have rentals booked. I have permits, you know, um, I have to make sure that I have food for all the crew, like on, on the shoot day, like there's so many things and uh, to like prep for and things like that. And that's why like, you know, productions have so many people because like one person can't do all this. You know, so you have like your producer that's making sure everything goes smoothly. You have your director that's like in charge of the vision, like the the vision. You know, you have your stylist doing like clothing and everything like that. Like you just have so many people. And, you know, because it's like it's hard to do for one like with one person. Yeah, it's it's like damn near impossible. Like once you get to a certain point. 
So have you found sort of situations where you've had to get like really good at doing kind of multiple things at once? And then also, do you kind of have a point where you have realized with yourself, you're like, look, at this point, like if, if I want to keep the quality high, I've got to bring in some, some, some other people to help me kind of juggle the other things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was last month, I, I produced my, my first two music videos. Uh, and, and one of my good friends, Jordan was directing it. So I was pretty much like, as I, as I just said, like I was in charge of booking all the gear, um, you know, making sure all the other crew members like get paid and send their invoices and things like that, making sure there's food on set, um, you know, making sure everyone's at the right location at the right time, sending out call sheets, doing all that. And then like, once I got to set, like I was also building the camera, like I was also, you know, sh- uh, like the second shooter. So I was like shooting, producing, like, you know, running to go get food and coffee for people, like, you know, a bit of everything. Um, I was even uh, on like the second day, I was even like taking photos for like the album artwork and things like that. So it was just like, it was nuts. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, that's kind of, it's one of the things that happens like when you have a, a small budget and you can't, you know, hire out uh, all the roles that you like really want. Like you definitely have to take on multiple jobs and wear multiple hats, uh, you know, just to make sure that you can get it done in the way that, you know, that you and where like you can produce like the best quality product that you can um, and also like minimize mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like there's, whether you're in a situation where you're working with a small budget or it's both a small budget and high expectations or a challenging, challenging medium, like a music video. I mean, there people see music videos all the time and they, there's some of them, there's some serious largesse going on. And then other times, like, I I don't think the average viewer does understand like a, like the artist probably doesn't own all this stuff in the video and then be like, um, there's a lot of sort of creativity and maximizing the minute max, getting the max out of the minimum. So can you talk a little bit about like, just the process of, of, of making a music video? Cause I think there's a lot of people who've obviously seen them, but again, have no idea like what's going into all that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, it's so many moving parts, you know, because unless you, you know, for, and it's all for, for different scales. Like I was just watching one of like Young Thug's old music videos yesterday yeah. and they had a hundred thousand dollar budget, which like seems like a ton of money for, for a music video. And he never showed up. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he never showed up to the video. So the, like the director, you know, pretty much made like a, a music video breaking the fourth wall of being like this is what the music video was supposed to be if young thug like was here wow. um, and it's one of the it's like one of my favorite music videos of all time it's so creative and just like the way that he was like well like we're here now can't do anything about him not being here or like he would show up the set and knock it out of the car and you know he'd be six hours late knock it out of the car or and then just leave without telling anybody um so, you know, that, and like, he had crazy expectations for that video too. So it was like, you know, for when you're budgeting for, you know, a music video or something like that, you're paying your director, your producer, probably your, uh, the director of photography, the person that's like in charge of actually crafting all the frames and everything like that. You have someone, uh, you know, on a, on a big set, you pretty much have like three people just to operate the camera. So you're paying all those people. You're paying someone for lights. You're paying someone for, uh, like I said, styling and wardrobe. You're paying all your models. 
all your rental gear. So, you know, a lot of people don't own their own camera and because they get pretty expensive, you know, a pretty standard, uh, like a standard camera that you're going to shoot like short films or music videos, like retails at like $70,000. And that's before all the lenses and things like that. So yeah. it's just like a camera body. Holy like, smokes. Yeah. Um, but so then you have to rent that. So it's like a couple hundred dollars per day. Um, you know, renting all the other gear monitors. So like the, the producer and the, and the label can like watch it from, from a distance. Um, you know, there's all the time that you spend before you even get to shooting, you know, uh, making sure the script is good, that you have permits to shoot in locations that you want, studio spaces booked if you need that. Um, what else? There's like, there's so much stuff. Then even after you get the, after you shoot, editing, sound mixing, color, like the the steps is is a lot. It's a lot more than just like, yeah, we're shooting for two days. <laughs> the whole process can take two months, even though the shoot itself is two days. Yeah, no, I think for the listener, like there's, and I and imagine that's like, just like a broad overview of yeah. <laughs> what it takes. Yeah, so like one thing that I've been super impressed with just hearing you talk is kind of your ability to one, like, advocate for yourself but also be realistic in the sense that like sometimes I've kind of got to go with the flow and you mentioned like working with in the budget and I imagine a, a challenging part of that budget is like budgeting for like other people's time and other people's ability to be like on time like you mentioned like with like young yeah. obviously he's gonna do what he wants but like kind of talk a little bit about like even in like your last role where you mentioned you're making sure people get to places on time and you're sending out call sheets like how challenging can it be to like have all this creative energy and, and set up all the art. And then also there's like the human aspect, which can be like unpredictable and, and difficult to manage. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's so, it varies from, from job to job. Right. You know, there's always going to be something, something that's going wrong and it's never the same thing going wrong, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, um, like in my in my last apartment, I was I was shooting uh, a series of videos for for Headspace, um, and you know, it was a super small apartment. We had like our it was like minimal budget because we can only fit two people in the room that we're shooting in, um, and 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 it's the middle of summer too, so we're trying to like trying to shoot record sound, but it's ninety degrees outside and we can't have the AC on. <laughs> because that like that interferes with the noise like you can hear the sound of the ac no matter where it is in the apartment so every no. time we have to roll we have to turn off the ac like try not to start sweating on camera <laughs> to like get this shot and then stop after like 30 minutes like take a break uh turn the ac back on like close all the windows like it was just you know sound is one of the hardest things to control you know especially in new york because there's you know, it's just loud. Like yeah. if you're close to a train, like that's always going to be an issue. There's always like people honking on the street, people just yelling outside, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a nightmare trying to like get good sound. Um, you know, so that's like, and at that point you're just like, all right, this is what it is. You know, I'm going to do the best I can. I can't make any promises that it's going to be perfect, but like, I'm going to, with everything that's within my control, like I'm going to take care of. Yeah. So, you know, making sure fans are off. I've had to like turn the refrigerator up, um, <laughs> like just, you know, crazy stuff. Like, 
you know, all that, trying to like deal with neighbors that have, you know, kids and they're not in school. So they're just like running around in the house and like wrestling each other. So you just hear like thuds and someone starts like starts crying oh, <laughs> and like no. you can hear that. <laughs> so now you have to wait till this kid stops, stops crying. So yeah, it's, it's all over the place. Sure. No, I think that piece of controlling the controllables is, is key really in, in like whatever you're doing. And I'm super happy you, yeah. brought, you, you brought up the, you brought up your headspace project. Cause I had a chance just through social media to kind of see like this intricate setup and stuff like that. So can you talk a little bit about that project kind of on the whole, and then some of maybe your other sort of most memorable, memorable projects if, that you'd like to sort of share with the listener? Yeah, the Headspace project was really cool. It was uh, my girlfriend and I at the time, we were, uh, she does a lot of um, work with plants. So she's a, a plant stylist and doctor uh, here in New York. So um, she, you know, decorates people's apartments with plants and, you know, helps them kind of understand and know how to care for them. Uh, so Headspace reached out to her to do uh, a short, like a series um, just about, you know, kind of mindfulness and how to incorporate plants into your lifestyle and kind of the benefits of them. Um, and then also a little bit about like caretaking for them and stuff like that. Um, so we were shooting all this in our apartment <laughs> and which was, you know, great and terrible at the same time because our apartment right. was not that big. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was very cramped on space, but you know, it was, it was a lot of fun, uh, you know, just being able to, you know, one, utilize the space that we had uh, and really like connect with a lot of people like around the world, you know, she was getting DMs on Instagram from people in Singapore and, you know, Germany, like we were, we started doing videos about like user submissions. So they'd send in questions, like little video questions. Um, and we had people all over the US, like in, in Europe and Asia, like it was, it was really cool to see how, how big of a, of a reach and an influence like that, you know, not only she's had, but like plants in general have had um, on her, like, you know, on people's like daily lives. Yeah, no, that's dope. Um, yeah, really cool. And I think like that ability to like reach a lot of people is, it's got, it's gotta be one thing that um, is really appealing about like the work that you do. Right. Cause I think like, hopefully, right? Like you're creating photos and videos that are, that are blowing up, but it's, what's amazing about a photo. it's like, at least to me, um, it's like, there's no prerequisite for like understanding it and appreciating it. And like, yeah. I could have an interpretation that could be different than what you thought or what somebody else thinks. So like, I don't know, can you talk a little bit kind of about that sort of whole, like reaching people and, and like how that process can be as a, as an artist? Yeah. I was actually, I was actually thinking like just thinking about that this morning um and I kind of came to the realization that like you know my photography especially is very personal to me mm. um and you know I think it kind of it kind of goes back a couple years where I uh I lost one of my good friends in the um in like the, the earthquake in Nepal um and I was kind of like and this is also around the time that I uh had like just got that first camera that I had traded for the festival tickets and stuff like that and like I realized that I didn't have many photos of us together you know um and so I had like all these memories and I didn't really have anything to, like show for it but I wanted that like tactile you know physical representation so you know now when I take all my photos 
like I have a very like personal connection to like the feelings that I felt in that moment and kind of like the, you know, all of the sensory uh, like aspects of it. Like I remember what it sounded like, what it looked like. I mean, clearly it's a photo, but <laughs> you know, um, so I have a, like a very deep personal connection with all, with all of my photos that I take. Um, and I also realized that it's okay for, for like for me to not have to explain that like yeah. to people. Like I don't need to tell exactly how I'm feeling about this photo. If you like it, great. But like this for me, like my photos and memories, you know? Um, and so I think that's like, you know, that's become like the biggest value of my, my photography for me is just being able to, you know, to document and, you know, like transfer this memory that I have into uh, and like represent it in a single image. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I imagine like, especially like with, with the uncertainty of, of potential opportunities, there's got to be kind of a therapeutic aspect of taking photos and like, especially in the context of, of um, cementing and really sort of, uh, I guess, downloading these memories um, with you and, and people who are really important to you. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, I think recently, like every time I've been home, I tend to, I take a lot of photos of my parents. Um, and, you know, I was back in Seattle in, uh, like in the spring and, um, you know, my dad grew up in Seattle, but I hadn't really spent much time like in the neighborhood that he grew up in. He was like in North Seattle and like Greenwood, like Wedgwood area. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was just like, I never, like, I'd never go up there. I don't know anyone that lives up there. Um, every time I'm in North Seattle, I'm around like the U district or you know still have like some friends in Lowhurst or whatever but you know I asked him I was like why don't you show me you know kind of the areas that you grew up in because I've just I've never seen it um and I like you know I don't know I don't really know anything about it um so you know we took a drive up there and just spent like four hours like walking around in different spots and like saw his uh like the apartment buildings that he grew up in and things like that and you know his ver his like one of his first jobs is like a bartender at this uh at this bar you know where his dad would hang out like where he'd play football uh, and things like that where he'd like throw all of his house parties in high school like you know just like things like that and just to kind of get a better understanding of like this part of seattle in a time like that you know I wasn't around for and like never come to and just seeing kind of his reactions to like to all those places and kind of revisiting those memories for himself because he hasn't been up there in decades you know um so you know that was a really like a really powerful uh you know moment for me of just kind of like reconnecting with a different part of like Seattle history that's very like personal and narrative driven um and like just seeing that yeah no like i was like fortunate enough to like come across your photo just obviously like we know each other and i follow you on social media and like one thing that yeah. i really really enjoyed about that is like the storytelling and you mentioned narrative there that you were able to kind of weave into each picture you took because i think like narrative is compelling to everybody right because we can relate to it whether or not we experience it or, or haven't experienced it like we all have a compelling story so i was really yeah. impressed with the your ability to kind of weave into it. And then also like the power, like you mentioned of like the shared experience um, with you and your dad, like 
I mean, I'm not even trying to like ask you to like put that into words because it's it's yeah. bigger than anything you can like say in an interview. But um, it's it, it's cool to hear. It's it's really cool yeah. to hear about. Yeah, it was it was it was just it was just a trip, you know. You know, it's something that like I think it was. I think what kind of like sparked it for me was just the fact that like you know I've grown up in Seattle my whole life, and there's so much of the city that I don't know, and you know neighborhoods like Wedgwood and things like that like always flying to the radar especially now because it's a lot of, and now it's a lot of like older families and you know you don't have as many like young people like moving out to Wedgwood <laughs> yeah you know or like that kind of area of North Seattle um so it was just like a you know it was really just an opportunity for for me to one reconnect with my city uh just because I hadn't spent much time there since I got left for college like the and like the last, that was like spending the four months that I was there, you know, during, or two and a half months that I was there during like the, the peak of quarantine was like the longest I've been in Seattle since, you know, probably since like 2013. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so that was just like a, it was a totally different experience. Yeah. And I'm interested to kind of know a little bit more about, like you talked about uh, earlier, right? When you're working with, whether it's somebody you're close with or with like with Dre, who you have like an established relationship with professionally and personally, that you feel like you're able to be more explorative, obviously, right? Because there's less pressure of, of a client who you're just meeting for the first time. So I'm curious, like, as you kind of think about your own style as a, as a videographer and, uh, and, and as a photographer, photographer, like you think like that explorative, um, nature is manifests itself in the in the sense of like taking risks but also like just like you were in kind of Wedgwood and, and Greenwood with your dad just exploring new places you know I think again I think again it kind of depends on the client yeah fair. <laughs> you know fair. you gotta you gotta read people and be like is this person willing to take like are they open to new ideas mm-hmm. or you know do they have like a very clear cut uh you know you know, expectation of what they want and they have like the final outcome that they can kind of foresee. They just need someone to get it done. Um, and so, you know, if it's, if it's that option where it's like, yo, we just need, we need photos, it's product photos. Like, like I had a, I had a shoot where we were shooting a, a commercial for the soap company. And so I was taking photos um, while pretty much like while the commercial was being shot, like in between their takes, I would jump in with the model take photos, get like the product and kind of beauty shots of them um, and then jump out because they needed to go to the next shot. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, there's no creative direction on my part. Like (laughs) I just got to be there to, you know, to get the photos that need to be, that need to be taken uh, and get out as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, there's a, there's kind of like a time and place for both, Um, you know, like I, I personally enjoy doing a lot of documentary work. And so that's like an opportunity for me to kind of like search out those, like those stories and like, uh, you know, there's a level of creativity to it. Uh, you sure. still have to tell something that's, you know, truthful, uh, but the way that you do it and the things that you choose to capture in that process kind of are where like the, a lot of the creativity lies for me. Yeah, no, that's, that, that that's I, I like I love that concept of being creative within the boundaries of the truth because I think like 
there's so many different, as we've seen, like with the way people write history books, the way people make documentaries, yeah. there's so many different ways to tell the same story. Um, yeah. And I don't think that's ever something I really thought about, like in terms of like being a super creative thing, but you're absolutely right. It totally is. Yeah. Documentary is definitely, it's one of the, I feel like it's one of the harder things to be creative with too. Mm -hmm. um, because there's like, you can only craft so much of it. Right. You know, if you're shooting like a, a narrative, like a short story or something like that, or even like a feature film, it's like you have people to literally like build every scene and every shot. Like, you know, there's a whole team of being like, I want the light to look exactly like this and like do this movement, this camera, like this camera movement. Um, you can guide your actors and things like that. But if you're doing documentary and especially if you're doing like verite portions where you're just like, you're just there you know you gotta you gotta figure that out on the fly like you can plan for some things but you know you can't control for all the light and things like that you just have to you just have to be in the moment with it and recognize uh recognize like the most powerful and visually interesting aspects of it and so that's for me that's where the creativity comes in of like how do i like not looks like not make this scene look stale um and just kind of working within like working with within boundaries to a certain extent yeah. it's like it's like you know it's like training with like weights on or something like that it's like you know what you can do but like now i have this new set of limitations on myself like how can i exceed that mm. no i love i kind of, i really love your perspective right because i think you find yourself often whether it's the bounds of the truth in terms of documentary making or the bounds of the client's needs or wants that like there are some limitations that you can't change but instead of viewing that as like oh my gosh i have to work within these bounds this stinks you'd be like no like look this is a really cool challenge to like how can i craft something that's creative and special while still working with these um at times limited restraints yeah that's definitely definitely how it feels <laughs> for sure so i wonder like as uh, as you, or I guess at this point where you are in your journey, I know you mentioned a lot of what you've learned has been sort of self-taught and like learned by mistakes and things like that. So like, if you could change or alter anything about like your approach or your preparation for, for shoots or for gigs, like based on what you know now, thinking back to like when you first started sort of working, are there any sort of key things that sort of stand out to you? This is something I didn't think about. <laughs> it's a, and, it's a, and it's a big question too. So. Yeah. Um, anything that I would change? You know, I think something I would, I think something I wish I would have known would just be like how important building strong connections and relationships are. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's probably the, the the best advice I could have given myself um, and also just like maintaining them you know you never know like who's gonna like need work one day <laughs> um, and so like being able to just taking care of like the friendships and things that you already have now whether they're personal or professional um, is something that will serve you very well regardless of what you do mm. Yeah, sure. I, I, all I can do is all I can do is echo that. That's that's, that's yeah. really really well said, man. Um, 
so I'm sure people are going to have questions about photography, um, about like how they can get in touch with you to book you for stuff. Uh, what's the best way for people to, to reach you? Yeah. Uh, you can, you know, follow me on Instagram. It's underscore Chris Lane, L E I N. I'm sure you can like link that in the description or something for sure. Um, yeah. Or, uh, and my website is pretty much the same. It's chrislane.com. Uh, so you can send a submission, DM me on Instagram, whatever, whatever you feel like. <laughs> okay. Right on. You heard it. People hit this guy up. Um, shoot, man, this has been, this has been really, really awesome. So I'm super grateful that you were uh, able to make some time. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, man. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the separation is in the preparation podcast. If you found it valuable, please do what you can to share it with others. As always, you can find us on Instagram at the sep is in the prep, or if you'd like to contact me directly, I can be found on all social media platforms under the handle at wallapps11. Thanks and take care.